1 Kings 17. Thank you, Alan and Faith, for that. 1 Kings 17. And, you know, we know that God, He is many things for us, isn't He? He's our friend, He's our father, He's our shepherd, He's our guide. Uh, so many things, and thank God for Him. Uh, just, just wonderful to be able to have a friend like Him, right? And uh, even in dark times, even in uh, the midst of turmoil and problems, we still have Christ. Uh, it's 1 Kings 17. Remember last week we saw that Elijah, uh, he was told by God to go to the brook Cherith, and he, God informed Elijah that he would uh, make sure he was taken care of, he would give him provisions, and he would use a raven to bring him bread, and he would bring uh, meat to him as well. And he would use that brook to provide water uh, for him to drink as he hid from King Ahab, right? And we saw how God's word has always been the source of provision uh, for his people. Uh, his, his, his word spoke the world into existence. His word uh, provided for the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings. And his word brought food for Elijah. And we know that today his word brings us uh, sustenance as well and, and gives us provisions and it gives us help, right? So uh, God's provision is still a theme in what we're going to see tonight, but, but really the providence of God now takes center stage. So let's look at 1 Kings 17 and look at verse 7. We start, it starts off with bad news. Look at verse 7. It says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this time to come together and to just glean from it. I thank you for the people that you bless us with in this church. I pray that you will give us what we need tonight. Um, I know um, everybody has needs. Everybody has things that they're going through. And I pray that you'll just use the preaching of your word to help us and to give us what we need and that you'll just uh, help us just to depend on you and to trust on you 
because you are somebody that we can always trust no matter what is happening in our life, no matter what uh, the state of our circumstances are, you're always there and you're guiding us. And we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that you'll just be honored and glorified in the, uh, the remainder of the service tonight in your name. Amen. I, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I really am somebody that loves a GPS. You know, I just I think that invention is great. It's a wonderful thing. Because personally, I am not somebody that has the greatest sense of a direction. And if you know me, you know that. Uh, so I find a GPS to be really helpful. It's helpful in many circumstances. Uh, when you're driving a car down a, a busy highway during rush hour, or when, you're, when there's some unknown road closure and you, you didn't know it was coming, or when you're in f- unfamiliar territory, uh, or even when you're on a back road and you didn't even know it existed, the GPS... It provides turn-by-turn instructions, and if you follow the instructions, even when it suggests an unexpected exit or an unexpected detour, it usually, keyword usually, it usually works out, right? At least that's my experience. Maybe you have terrible experience with it, but uh, I usually do well to trust the GPS uh, to guide me on trips. And I, I say that because sometimes in life, God takes us on unexpected detours, Sometimes he brings us to really bumpy roads and difficult terrain, and he, uh, he brings us to places that just d- does not make sense. But we know that even in those difficult times, we have to stick with our guide. And our guide is the Almighty God. Our, God, our guide is the Word of God. So despite the, the challenges that you may find yourself on when it comes to the road of life, uh, you need to maintain your faith in the Word of God, Amen. right? You need to maintain your faith in God, and this will help you make the right decisions, and this will help you find the best route in the Christian life. And in the end, uh, when it's all said and done, when you come to the end of your life and you stand before God, you will be able to be rewarded uh, for your faith, and uh, you will ha- be able to have a sense of fulfillment at the end of your life thanks to your unwavering trust in God. Now, through this whole narrative in 1 Kings 17, we see God commanding people to step out in faith. We we find God bringing Elijah on a detour. And remember, God led him where he is right now, right? He led him to this brook. Uh, We know that it seems like he's telling him to do things that don't make a lot of sense. And it just gets worse, okay? And we'll see that. Uh, But we see in this this chapter, uh, people obeying God, and they are uh, stepping out by faith, and they're trusting in Him even when their circumstances are dire, and when things just don't make sense. And as they obey God by faith, we see God just providentially orchestrating everything, and He's pulling the strings behind the scene. Okay, He's, He's working out all things together for their good, but most importantly for His glory. And tonight it's my prayer that And what we see in the scriptures will give you peace and strength and an unwavering and settled hope in God. Because that is what we need. Uh, It's my prayer that no matter what problems you're going through, no matter what issues come your way, no matter how dire a situation that you may be in may seem, no matter what road that God has set you on in your life, and no matter how hopeless you feel, my prayer is that you will have faith in God, that He will take care of you, and that He knows best because he does. We're going to see really three key truths tonight in this detour of Elijah 
in, our, in what we're going to see with these nine or ten verses. First, we're going to see that God used this detour to grow Elijah's faith. Secondly, we'll see that God can use the most unlikely people in the most unfortunate situations, in the most unlikely places. And lastly, we'll see that God can be trusted to provide. So let's go ahead and begin by digging into the first key truth here. And that is the fact that God used this detour in Elijah's life to grow his faith. Look at verse 7 again. It says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, remember, uh, Elijah, he was a man of like passions, like we are, right? He, he was like us, and here, here he is. He's experiencing a time of growth. He's experiencing a time of pruning. He's experiencing a time of refining. And really, with that which was coming, Elijah would need this preparation. And God, in his omniscience, knew what Elijah needed. He knew what was coming down the road. Now, look, Elijah would be facing many terrible things down the road. We're going to see pretty soon here that, that he, he's, in the, he's going to be in the pit of depression, which, by the way, is a very real thing in some Christian's life. Okay, and we'll see that. But he would be in the pits of depression, and he would have many big obstacles come his way that maybe seemed impossible. And we know from last week that, that God was leading Elijah just one step at a time. Just one, one, one thing at a time, God was giving Elijah one really tidbit of information each time, and he would continue to lead him in this way. Again, just to summarize, we know that uh, God first told him to go to this brook, and he said, I'm going to provide food through these ravens. And uh, so he went to the brook, and when he did, he, the ravens did indeed bring him bread and meat. But now here we see, due to this drought, uh, the brook has dried up. There's no more water. So now what am I supposed to do? What is he supposed to do here? Well, God told him the next step. He said, you go to Zarephath and live there. And he said, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain me. Now again, he's just giving him one thing at a time here. You go there, where you go, and I'm going to make sure that you get taken care of. I'm going to make sure that you, that you eat. But there's two problems with what God told him to do. And the, and the two problems is the town of Zarephath and this widow. Okay, those are the two problems. And you might say, well, what, what's wrong with that? Okay, well, first, Zarephath, the, the issue with that town is the fact that this was the former stomping grounds of the very lovely Jezebel. Okay, remember? Ahab's wife? Okay, so that's a problem. This territory was controlled by her father, Ethbel, who, again, if, if in case you forgot, uh, he was literally named after the god Baal. Okay? So this would not be a very good place for him to go. Uh, this would be a, a wicked place that was not really the best uh, place to hang around, if you're using human logic, right? And then once Elijah got to this town, God promised to prepare a table in the presence of his enemies, and he said that he would use a widow to do it. And that's the second problem. He, he said, I have commanded a widow to sustain thee. Now you may say, okay, well, What's that matter? Well, I'll tell you why this matters. Really, if there was anything that, that God has told Elijah to do thus far that didn't make sense, it was this. Go to a widow. Go to a woman that had nothing. Okay, because in this time, widows 
were notorious for their poverty. I mean, you, it didn't really make any sense. Realistically, it probably would have made more sense for, for Elijah to just sit there and wait by a dry brook for water than to ask to go to a widow and, and think that she was going to provide food for him because they were so notoriously known for their poverty. And yet, this is what God told him to do. He was telling Elijah to do something that didn't make sense, to do something that was difficult, and to do something that took faith. He was asking Elijah to do that which was unnatural and to do things the hard way. Now, let's just be honest tonight. Do we as humans like to do things the hard way? Now, you might say, yeah, my kids do things the hard way all the time, right? But we natur- the, the natural way to go in life is to, to go in the path of least resistance, right? That, that's our natural tendency. We don't want to take the path of, of most resistance, you know. Uh, normally, when I'm hiking up a mountain, it's not my intention and tendency to take the path that's the most difficult, okay? Not usually. Maybe, maybe this last time by mistake. Uh, or at the gym, right? It's, it's, I really had to force myself to do the workouts that hurt the most because I naturally don't want to do them. That's just our tendency. That's how we usually are. But here, God is literally telling Elijah, take the path of most resistance. Do that which makes the least amount of sense. So in order for Elijah to get through and to, 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 to live... He could not rely on his instincts. He could not rely on his human reasoning. He could not rely on his logical conclusions. He had to totally rely on God. And church, listen, that is what we have to do in every aspect of life. You have to rely on God. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to look at a few places. Two places in Proverbs, then I want to jump over to Job. Many of you here probably know this passage of scripture, but you need this reminder tonight. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now let me just stop right there for a moment. Some of you here, you cannot... Trust in the Lord to begin with because you've not trusted in Christ for salvation. That's the first step. If you're trusting in any of your works to get you forgiveness from God or to get you from, to heaven, you're lost. It's not happening. The Bible tells us that it is by grace that we are saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast, right? So that's, that's the first thing. I just want to get that out of the way, okay? If you're not trusting on Christ for salvation, then you are lost and you need to start right there. But if you are saved, if you have trusted on Christ, we need to trust in Him with all of our heart, and we cannot rely on our wisdom and our man-made ways to get us through. Look at verse 6. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Let's jump over to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. And look at verse 26. Now, we know that the way to walk in the ways of God is to walk in the ways of His Word, right? That's how we we walk in the ways of God. 
Uh, and look at what it says in Proverbs 28, 26. It says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. How do we walk wisely? We walk in the ways of God. We follow the word of God. And now, let me say this. We need to trust God, and we need to walk in the ways of God, and follow the word of God, even in the most difficult times. Even in affliction. Even in trials. We need to cling to God and trust Him, no matter what is going on in our life. Let's go to Job 13. Again, a very well-known pastor of Scripture. And we know if anybody had it rough for quite some time, it was Job. He lost everything. He kept his own life. He lost his health for a time. Lost his children. Lost his home. Lost everything. And look at what he says in Job 13, verse 15. In the midst of affliction, look what Job said in verse 15. He says, Though... He slay me, yet will I trust in him. And what a message for us tonight. In the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of being put on a path that just doesn't make sense, that's just so difficult, we need to trust in God. Now, when God tells us to do something in his word, when we find... uh, his, his word to be difficult or challenging, what are we to do? Or to obey, right? Or to follow him or to trust him. And you know, that could mean trusting him to be a gospel witness. That could mean trusting him to give tithes and offerings or to serve in a ministry or to, to disciple or uh, in the way that you raise children or trusting God in your marriage or whatever it may be. Even in difficult times, we need to trust and obey. We need to learn to lean on Christ and not trust our assessment, but seek the source of wisdom, which is Christ. And uh, Elijah would be required to do this. And to do this would take great faith because, again, those two things caused what, what God was telling Elijah to do to not make sense. And, and each experience that Elijah was facing, uh, each challenge, it was preparing him for the next challenge to come. Again, we know he would face some dark days, and we'll see that later on. But this is what God was doing. He was preparing him for the next Challenge. He was preparing him for the next problem. And listen, church, is that not how God often works? Doesn't he often use circumstances in our life to prepare us for what's next? Now, some of you are here tonight and you're like, man, if this is God preparing me for what's next, I don't want to know what's next, right? But we see this to be true all through the Bible. David, as he killed a lion with his bare hands before he faced Goliath, right? He, was, he faced one challenge that was preparing him for the next. And we see this with Jesus. As he endured temptation in the wilderness before he went to the cross. Look, every trial and every temptation, every test, it is preparation for us for what's coming next. There is a purpose for it, so we need to trust God. We need to seek God, and we need to obey God. Now, I hope I'm not getting ahead of uh, Alan's Sunday school lesson, but let's go to James chapter 1. Did you make it to verse 2 this morning? Oh, great. So I'm just going to preach here a while. <laughs> I know, uh, James chapter 1. I'll just kind of look at this briefly. <clears throat> look at James chapter 1. Look at verse 2. It says in verse 2, 
My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Hey, look, when we go through times of difficulty, hardships, and trials, we need to realize that God is trying to do something in it. It is a time of, of testing and proving where God is trying to grow you spiritually, to grow your faith, to grow your patience, to grow you uh, spiritually so that you can be more spiritually mature. And let's be honest, every one of us need to be more spiritually mature, right? So we have some area of growth. So rather than despise the testing and despising the trial, we need to try to embrace it. So we need to consider it a joy that God would, would, would even consider pruning us. Like a gardener prunes a tree to enable growth and to enable fruitfulness. So with that in mind, when God tells us to go, when God tells us to do something, when he tells us to endure, when he is leading us through the fire, what do we do? We need to do what Elijah did and obey. We need to obey. Let's go back to 1 Kings 17 and look at verse 10. 17 verse 10. First Kings 17 verse 10, the Bible says here, Elijah, we know that Elijah was told, hey, go to this place, look for this widow, and what to say? So he arose and went to Zarephath. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. He went. He obeyed. So even though God told him, hey, go into enemy territory, even though God told him, go to a poor widow woman for food, even though God led him to do that which would cause human reasoning to fight against because it made no sense, Elijah obeyed. Now here's a question we're going to ask, though. How could he obey like this? How could he obey God when, when what he said to do didn't make any sense? Well, here's how he could obey, church. Because God had been continually coming through for him time and time again, so Elijah knew he will now. Look at verse 6. Again, I just want to kind of show you this, even though we already looked at it. Look what it says. That the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So God said to Elijah, go to the river. And there was the river. God told Elijah, the ravens will feed you. And they did. So God had come through before for Elijah. So Elijah could say, why wouldn't he come through for me now? Why wouldn't he provide for me now? And church, has not God always come through for you? I mean, come on, hasn't he? Has he not always come through for us? So here's the question we need to ask. What makes you think he won't now? What makes you think he won't now? He wants to use your trial to grow you as he did Elijah. And this would definitely grow Elijah's faith. Let's look again at 1 Kings 17, verse 10. Secondly, we see that God can use the most unlikely people in the most unfortunate situations in the most unlikely places. And if you're taking notes, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's a long one. Now look at verse 10 again. He arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. We'll stop there for a moment here. Elijah, he went in obedience to God. He finds this widow at this gate, and he finds her. He finds her gathering sticks. Gathering sticks. Now, church, if, if this doesn't show us how poor and destitute this woman 
really was, nothing will. This shows us how poor she was. She was searching for scrap wood so she could use that she could use for a fire. And we'll see that. But Elijah knew that this was the woman that God had brought him. So he asked her to get a, a little jar of water for him so that he could drink. And amazingly, she was going to go do it. But then he took it a step further. You could say maybe he was pushing his luck, but he wasn't. But look what he, he did in verse 11. He asked her for food. Look at verse 11. It says, and she was going to fetch it, to fetch the water. And he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Okay, now let's just pretend that you're, we're Elijah here, okay? This is kind of crazy. Widows were already poor. They were poor enough as it was. They were notorious for being poor. Let alone when they were in the middle of a drought. And food was scarce everywhere. So for Elijah to ask this woman for food, again, it would make no logical sense. It, it would be like you going up to somebody that's homeless and asking for them to give you a place to stay. It just doesn't make sense, right? And yet, if that did not seem bad enough, the woman's situation would prove to be even more dire. Look at verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Man, this is tough. Here Elijah is, he's asking for bread. This woman informs her, listen, I don't have any bread. All I got is a little flour, I got a little oil. And she tells him that uh, she was going to go make a fire with these sticks and bake one last meal so her and her son could eat and then die. I like what Tony Marita said. It's very true. He said this was not exactly the best time to show up for dinner. And it wasn't. Again, it makes no sense. But remember, God told Elijah that he commanded this widow to feed him. Now, I, what I think is interesting about all this and we learn from this dialogue, is that this woman did not even know that. God was working behind the scenes and pulling the strings of her heart without the woman, the widow, even realizing it. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. But in this case, we can clearly see that the widow's heart was in the hand of the Lord. God was moving in her heart. And I'll tell you what, really, God would have to be working on her heart for her not to rip Elijah to shreds for what he says next. Look at verse 13. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. Elijah tells us, okay, don't be afraid. You go do what you're going to do. But feed me first. Does that sound a little selfish? Maybe, a little bit. Feed me first, and then you go feed your, you and your son who are going to die, right? And this was really, seemed like a bold request. But here's the thing. This request did not come from Elijah. This request, or this command, you could say, came from God. Look at verse 14. It says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So God informed Elijah, if you would, look, informed this widow, if you would just 
give me bread to eat. The Lord's not going to allow your flour and your oil to run out until this drought is over. So Elijah wanted this widow to put her trust in God. And Elijah encouraged her to allow God have his way in using her to feed him, and she would indeed obey. Look at verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Man, this is amazing. The widow did what God had called her to do. And in this, church, we see that God used an unlikely person in a very unfortunate situation, in a very unlikely place to accomplish his will. He used a widow woman who was about to eat her last meal in the the pagan and God-forsaken land of uh, Zarephath, and God used uh, that woman to accomplish his will. Now, we learn from this that God often uses those that are weak. And he often uses those that are the most unlikely to make a difference. And he can even use people that are in the most dire and awful circumstances to accomplish his will. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. And look at verse 27. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27. And look at verse 28 as well. It says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And we know contextually in, before this, Paul refers to the foolishness of preaching to save sinners. God uses what we're doing right now to save sinners, to save lost people, to have people uh, see their need for the forgiveness of God. And then he moves from preaching uh, and the foolishness of preaching to really the foolishness of people. He's saying uh, that as Christians, these people were seen as foolish by the world. And, and so are we, right? Man, people probably drive by here, see your, all these cars on here, they're like, man, what is wrong with these people? Foolish, Right? Why are they wasting their time on a Sunday? Well, we believe God, right? We serve a great God, and we want to we wanna show Him that we love Him and, and serve Him. Uh, but, but He says here, I, I use that God uses weak people. He used the weak things of the world. And we know that all throughout Scripture, God has used the, most, the weakest of people, the most unlikely people, the most despised people to do a great work for Him, right? We know that He used a shepherd boy to uh, take down Goliath. He used a warrior to take down the Midianites. He was using an unknown man from Tishbe, uh, which was Elijah, to confront Ahab. He used fishermen and tax collectors and, and just ordinary men to bolster the early church. And listen, church, God delights in using people that are seen as nobodies. And even in the most dire and trying times, he wants to use us. Now look, tonight you may feel that you have very little to offer God. That, that might be where you're at. You may feel that your back is up against the wall and that everything around you is falling apart and you have nothing to give to God. But if God could use this widow that had next to nothing to provide for Elijah, then he can use you to minister, he can use you to serve, to encourage for his glory in this God-ordained institution which is the local church. Amen. And even if you feel that you don't have much to give, whatever you give... Big or small, if you do it for God, it brings honor and glory to Him. 
I mean, look, something as small as a jar of water and a piece of bread made an impact and was used for God because she was obedient to God. I like what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 41. He said, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. So think about that. Even the smallest act of service or the smallest gift to another believer is really an act of service and a gift given to Christ. It's just the smallest acts of love and kindness that can bring glory to God. But we need to be willing and open to his leading. So uh, thirdly, let's go ahead and just jump into the next point here. And lastly, God can be trusted to provide. Okay, that's what we see. This is what this is really teaching us. God can be trusted to provide. Go back to uh, 1 Kings 17. Look at verse 15 and verse 16. Verse 15 and 16. We saw the first part there. We'll read it again. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. So God promised Elijah that he would provide food from this widow and he did. God promised this widow uh, through Elijah that if she would simply just give what she had to Elijah that he would provide food for the rest, through the rest of this drought and God kept his promise. He came through for this widow and her son. And we see the provision and the providence of God in the lives of Elijah and this widow. So church, look, if this chapter has taught us anything, it's that the truth of God can be trusted. His word, his leading, his direction can be trusted. So as he leads and as he guides and as he directs, he can be trusted to provide. He can be trusted to providentially bring about his will. He can be trusted to take care of you as his child. He's always provided for his children, even in the hardest of times, from Genesis to today. And look, wherever God takes us, whatever test he brings our way, we can trust that he will work it out for his glory. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. God never promised an easy life. What did he say? If we're going to serve him, if we're going to follow him, we need to take up our cross and follow him. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But you can know that no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, you still have Christ. You still have God. He can be trusted to get you through. And you know, his word is full of promises that speak to this truth. And like Elijah and the widow, we need to hold on to the words and promises of God by faith. Hey, listen tonight. If you're tempted to go back to that sin, whatever sin in your life you're dealing with, and you're, you're tempted to disobey God, you can know that God has provided a way to escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, But with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Listen, you can know that whenever you're full of anxiety and sadness and you have an unsettled mind, you can know that God provides his people with peace. John 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You can know that when your back is up against the wall and you feel like everything's falling down around you, you can understand that he provides his people with comfort even in the hardest of times. 2 Corinthians 1.4, he said of God that he who comforteth us in all our tribulation, 
that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He can give you comfort. In times of fear and chaos, you can know, as 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells us, that he's provided us with the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. If you're here tonight and you feel that God's placed you in a direction that's heading nowhere and nothing is making sense, I want you to remember in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it explains to us that God has given us direction and he is providentially working in our lives even before birth. As he told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew Look, if you're here tonight and you feel hopeless and destitute and dejected, you can remember what you have in Christ if you're saved. Most wonderfully, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. I say all that tonight to remind you that God can be trusted to provide. And He can be trusted to guide us. Really, in all of those ways and more. He can be trusted to work all things together for His glory. No matter what is happening in your life at this moment, He can be trusted. So here is the question for you tonight. You've seen all the evidence. You've seen everything that that we've looked at tonight. That God can be trusted. That He keeps His word. That He provides for us. So you need to ask yourself this question. Why are you not trusting Him? Why are you not trusting Him? Why are you all up in arms? Why are you all upset? Why are you all worried? Why are you not trusting Him? In God. Are you feeding your soul the Word of God daily? Are you getting enough of what you need from the Word of God? Are you going to Him enough in prayer? Why are you not trusting Him? Are you allowing God to grow your faith? You can trust Him. You can always trust His guiding hand. I want you to think about this, okay? I mentioned this in the beginning. The Bible calls God, or He calls Christ, the Good Shepherd. Right? What does a shepherd do? He cares for the sheep. He leads the sheep. He guides the sheep. He doesn't. A good shepherd does not leave or forsake the sheep. He knows his sheep by name. Hey, He knows you by name. A good shepherd watches over the sheep. Christ is the good shepherd. And he is by our side, step by step, leading us the whole way. So why are you not trusting him? Regardless of what's going on in your life right now, you need to understand that he can be trusted. Seek God. And see how he may be trying to grow you and prune you at this time. Even if circumstances seem terrible, seek to grow and be used by him. In whatever way possible, trust in his sovereign hand to provide and meet your needs. Because listen, he has never failed once and he will not fail now. Wherever God guides, he provides. Whatever he tells you to do, he will make a way. No matter what's happening in your life, seek God. If he could use this widow on the verge of death in a pagan land to do work for him, he can use us no matter how awful our circumstances or our, our state in our life is. And man, what, great, what a great gift of grace we have in Jesus Christ. Even when our life feels like a train wreck, the gift of grace that God provides for us is just continually being poured out all over us day in and day out. So trust him. Love him. 
serve him. Continue on with him because he is in control. He is the good shepherd. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight.